is the Make Design Podcast. Hello, um, and welcome to the Make Podcast. Uh, it's another lovely sunny day in Dubai. I am actually, I've got my kit all set up, my new kit, so hopefully the sound should be better this time. Um, first of all, thanks so much for everyone who listened to the last podcast, uh, episode eight, and that was with Coachman Taz. Um, I really appreciate that. And uh, today's theme is called Mumbition. Um, nothing to do with Mumbai. Um, I'm here with Zaina, and uh, we're here to talk about starting up a business um, while having a family, creating an idea, developing it, getting it published. Uh, she's had a super interesting journey. Hi, Zaina, how are you doing? Hi, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for welcoming me into your home. And we had some lovely breakfast. Uh, we had some lovely Spanish breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really nice. All legit, all above board. Authentic. <laughs> Authentic. Um, so, yeah, I'm here to... This is called Mumbition. So we're here to talk about your developing... You're an entrepreneur, you're a mum... And um, I think it's a really interesting theme, especially in the last probably couple of years where everything's kind of gone a bit crazy. I think a lot of people have had time to think, to, uh, to maybe come up with ideas and do something they really want. But first of all, I'd really like to start with a little intro about yourself, a bit of history, and then we can deep dive into what you created. After. Sure. So my name is Zaina Hamid, and um, I'm Palestinian American, so born and raised right in the U.S. capital of Washington, D.C. Um, after university, I didn't really know what I wanted, so I kind of just went into any job, and then later on decided I really wanted to teach, so I went back and got my master's in education, and I taught for 10 years. I've taught in the U.S., uh, Spain, and now Dubai. I came to Dubai in, um, in 2015, so I've been here six and a half years. And I have two little boys, four and six years old. And um, we came to Dubai because my husband accepted a job with the airline as a pilot. So, so that's where we are right now. So then you, you decided to write a book uh, called Matty and Messy Missions, get it published. Uh, do the work with the illustrator, get it all created. Tell me a bit more where that started and where the inspiration came from. Yeah, so as a teacher, my favorite part of the day was always read aloud. Like I really enjoyed engaging those students, and especially the, the school that I used to work in. Um, it was called Title I School. So it was known for uh, poverty levels. And the students, most of them, about 80% came from... Um, a foreign language home. So they didn't really have that exposure to reading at home. Their parents were maybe working two, three jobs. And their only chance to really hear a story was at school. And so I wanted to make sure that it was the best story they ever heard, right? It was very engaging. I would um, make character voices, act things out. And so that was always my favorite part of the day, as well as creative writing. And I went through the entire process with students so they can really understand how to develop their stories. So when I had my own children, reading became a very important part of our night, our bedtime routine. You know, I'd read a book. But then also, since my children are very difficult and go, don't go to sleep with ease, I'd have to make up a story for them, a bedtime story. 
And it usually involved them as the characters, and they can contribute to what do they want the setting to be or some element of the story. And it was usually them rescue, making a rescue, right? Because at one point they were obsessed with firemen or policemen, so they always had to come to the rescue of some sorts. So the idea for Maddie and Massey Missions came from these bedtime stories where I would take my boys, it's the, the main characters are brothers based off of my children, and they had adventures around the world. Um, and so the, my stories then became, why don't I just write them down, you know, so I can keep them for later and share them with them. And then I thought, well, if I really do enjoy reading and writing, and I've always dreamt of publishing, I'm going to do it right. You know, I'm going to actually go through with this and do the entire book publishing process. And so that's where it came from. I mean, during COVID and as a teacher, we were all doing online learning. I had a lot more time at home. Um, I just decided to write down some of these stories and the ideas that I had. And it developed kind of naturally in its own way into Maddie and Massey Missions. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Like, what about the creative process for that? Can you talk a bit more about how you kind of, did you just sit down in your notepad type writing and then draw doodles of drawings and then mm. speak to illustrators and then get that all together? Can you talk a bit more about that? So the initial, initial process started about three years before the book because I looked back into my phone, the little notes section or the notes app in my phone, and I had some elements of the ideas and ideas in, in there, right? Little notes jotted down. So when I finally sat to write the book, um, for me, I have, I have to be organized or I get super overwhelmed. So it's got to be lists, right? So I'll draft, outline my story. And as I go along, I'm envisioning what illustrations go with it. So I write the text um, at the same time as what the illustration I want to encompass. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you write the story. Once you have a good story, you can either go the self-publishing route or find a publisher. And I decided that I can only do so much on my own. And if I want to do it correctly, I need somebody to come in and help. So I searched for uh, publishers and the, that entire process is something in itself. It's huge, yeah. Um, you know, I learned that these big publishers, you can't just send them an email. You have to go through a literacy agent. And, and it, it was just, it just seemed unreachable, unattainable. And then by the chance, someone had posted, a friend of mine had posted uh, something about their girlfriend who was, he was proud of for having published her first book and opening her own publishing company. I was like, oh, does she want to publish my children's book? You know, not thinking it would go anywhere. And she sends me a message. She's like, I saw your comment and I'd be very interested in taking a look. And it kind of went from there. So um, had that not happened though, I don't know if these books would have ever been published. Because as, as much as I wanted it, I don't know if I was willing to put in all that work and time into making it happen on my own, right? Because finding a big publisher going through a literacy agent could have taken years. So luck was on my side for that part. Yeah, I mean, I think it's quite daunting sitting, you know, trying to think of how to get in through those doors. And as you say, the process is quite hard. Um, I mean, self-publishing, a lot of people self-published, there's a self-publishing tool that's out there. Did you investigate those more and find out the different avenues where you can literally just write something and yeah, publish Yeah, I, I mean, it, yes, it was an option, but what my dreams that I had for this concept, I wanted it to go a lot further than I think self-publishing could have taken it. And I wanted that exposure and that help and that professional outreach. Um, so I was, I was looking for the network as well, 
right? Like at the, at the time I was still working full time, um, teaching and there was COVID and who knew what was going to happen. So, so I, I took that jump because I, for me at that time, it seemed less risky. Um, so far, I think it was a good choice. Um, and what about working with different people? Can you talk about how, like, how you managed to get an illustrator, how you managed to kind of find a person that can actually print it and all that? Yeah. All that, because that must be, I suppose, new for you, new grounds for you, right? Oh, all of this was new. Like, this entire thing has been a huge learning process. Finding the illustrator was very difficult. It took me about nine months to find the right one, and that's because I had two other illustrators lined up. Um, the first one is local, which was great because I thought we can work together, you know, we can check in. Um, it makes it much easier to know the person in person. And, uh, and then after a few months, there were some contractual issues. So I had to go back to square one. And then the second illustrator, who was also local by chance, so that was great because, you know, we got to meet in, in person and um, discuss the images and see progress, was about halfway through the first book and decided I won't be able to do the rest of the series. I can only do this book. And I said, well, that won't work for me. I can't change characters right. and arts and all that, you know, so we're just going to have to part ways. So then the search was on again. And I finally found someone, um, on one of these like freelance websites and it worked out. I mean, she's based in Spain. Um, and you know, Zoom saved us with all these video calls and figuring out if it was is gonna work and talking to the publisher and, and it finally worked out. So it took about nine months to finally get the illustrator and then each book takes um, four months or four to six months to illustrate. And I finally actually went to Spain and met the illustrator a few months ago. So about nine months into having met her uh, online. And uh, yeah, it was really nice. Did you choose, you chose Ice Cream because of her style? Yeah. And the type of, did you have that in mind or did you just come across it and thought, oh, that's quite nice. I think that would be quite good to use. Yeah, I wanted a realistic cartoon. Right. Because my vision for the characters and the story is, well, I want the students to be able, the children reading it, to be able to relate to them, right? So I don't want it to look too fantasy or too elementary. I wanted them to be sophisticated characters. I want the child to see these characters as uh, TV show characters or video game characters or buying their merchandise. So I had an idea, um, but all three of the illustrators that I had worked with, they had their own artistic approach to it and it still worked out. So there's so many ways that you can envision it and it can um, come to fruition. But I think it's good that you've got that vision as well for the fact that you want it to be, I know you want it to be animated, you want it to be on a series and stuff, and that came, comes into play with what illustrator you use. If it's too complicated, it might be too complicated to do the animations in the long run. So right. I suppose that came into play into your choice of choosing that particular... Right, and I mean, person. the more detail the illustrator puts into it, the longer it's going to take to get take, these yeah. illustrations done. That's right. So if someone were to quote me, it's going to take nine to 12 months to illustrate your book. Well, that's not going to work for a series because I need to produce more than just every nine to 12 months. Um, so with the, with the audience for these books, the age group, correct me if I'm wrong, is between, what was it, five to, up to about nine? Yeah, so as a read aloud, I would say an audience of four to 10. And then as an independent reader, starting at seven to 12.
Keep listening, you might learn something. Oh, yeah. Can you just talk about, like, what's different? I know, I know we've, you've read it to my son and it's really cool. It goes, it teaches children English and a bit of Arabic and stuff like that. So can you talk about the, how you found the space for the idea to exist? Yeah, this concept is, um, it's a fiction story with a lot of nonfiction elements. So in the classroom, you know, students are learning about glossary, right? And, and where to find definitions for words in the back of the book. So I've incorporated that with foreign language. So throughout the book, there are um, words in the language of that, that story's city. So the first book is Maddie Massey Mission's Rome. So there are about 25 words in Italian that are said throughout the story and then defined in the back as an additional definition because they are defined throughout the story. And then same with Maddie Massey Mission's Dubai with the Arabic. So, you know, I hadn't seen books that do that in a fiction story, right? Nonfiction is very common. Um, and then also the idea of these brothers traveling and going through a checklist. So they're on a scavenger hunt. They have to go through the city and not just see things and check it off. They have to do something on their checklist and then they have to collect evidence as proof that they've done it. The whole idea is their father is a pilot. They drop them off in a city and he says, hey, you have this amount of hours to complete your checklist. You cannot come back onto this flight unless you've shown proof that your mission is complete. And to help you along the way is a mission coach who's always a strong female character. And, uh, and, and so the idea of having a woman lead them, having the brothers go on a trip without their parents, um, and they have a, a countdown, a timer countdown to where they have to organize their day, their schedule, uh, make sure that they're checking for evidence that they can collect, right? Because it's not just see the, um, the Burj Khalifa, it's do something there. But how are you going to collect evidence to show your proof? So it's interesting, and, and there's, a lot, there's always a problem and solution that when I'm doing a read aloud, I'm asking the students, oh no, they're stuck now. What are some ideas? What can they do to make sure that they complete this mission and they get back to the flight in time? And it's really interesting to hear the students come up with ideas. Yeah, One of them said something, I'm like, wow, that one actually is good. I should have used that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interactive when you read aloud. I've been there. It, the kids put their hand up and they shout their answers. It's very interactive, which yeah. is quite unique. Yeah, and so. with the language too. I think, you know, the first one was Italian. So anyone who spoke Spanish felt like they already had a connection to the language, right? Because we, we practice how to count to 10 in Italian. And they're like, oh, it's just like Spanish. I'm like, yeah, there's very, it's very similar. Arabic, you know, the students in Dubai, they all knew how to say many of these words. And so they felt um, very confident and very proud of themselves and they would get an answer correct. Because um, I, I think that as well, like when I was reading it to Arlo, he, you know, he, 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 he knows a little bit of Arabic and actually he can read, he can read much better than I can. <laughs> so he was really engaged with the book and stuff and like saying the words as well. And, you know, so at the, as we go through it, he's just literally just fine tuning that mm. skill, which is really nice. You know, so, you know as you, some books just, just, just go through it and then very forgetful. Yeah. So I think that's a really good, really lovely approach to it. Um, this should be played at high volume. Preferably in a residential area. How do you come up with what cities you write about? Do you have to have been there or know them really well? 
So far, I've written about two cities that I've been to. The third city is Washington, D.C., which is my hometown. Um, you know, I pick, I'm trying to pick one city per continent to start off with. So these three cities I know pretty well. Uh, D.C. is home for me. Now, the cool thing about D.C. is since I'm, in, I'm incorporating a foreign language in each book, right? So the first one was Italian, the second one Arabic. Well, Washington, D.C., the language is English but I wanna keep that foreign, foreign language element in there. So uh, DC has the first and largest university for the deaf. So I am going to incorporate American Sign Language. So that I have to hire out to a consultant who knows foreign, you know, American Sign Language because I don't know anything about it. Uh, but those three cities I've been to, I know well, I have a connection to them. The next cities coming up, if Inshallah, this book continues, the series continues. The next uh, two cities I have not been to. They are places on different continents. They are places I would love to visit, um, but they're mostly they're places that I think would interest someone reading the book. They are sought after for tourism, and I think they have a lot to offer the reader um, and a lot to allow for content within the book. So um, I don't have to have been there, but you know, I'm not gonna pick a super small town that no one's ever heard of or cares to go to. So it's gotta be something that is marketable and also has a big audience. Like, I mean, um, these two cities, which I will not announce yet, but uh, they, have, they have a big following and okay. they're known for something really big. Yeah, I suppose you have to think, will the children from the ages of four five, to 10, four to ten yeah. know of those cities? Yeah. Um, and like when, with regard to the cities, and as you spoke about the checklist that the kids have to achieve when they land to a certain city, how can you, how do you make sure they're they're different every time and they're creative if you don't know the city that well or if you have if you haven't been there? Yeah, um, I'm not afraid to ask for help. You know, I want to make sure that my stories are accurate. I mean, even with the Dubai book, I had to ask four or five local readers to um, to fact check. And, uh, and when I'm creating these checklists, I need to make sure that they are diverse in what they offer the, the Maddie and Massey to do, right? I can't just say, go and see this, and they're gonna go and see four different monuments. I have to find something creative for them to do, something fun for them to do while they're there. And the idea behind that is, I want any child who lives in the city or is going to visit the city to be able to follow the checklist. So in Dubai, you know, there's a part where they have to go to the Burj Khalifa and they have to dance and sway to the water show. So I physically held a read aloud at the Burj Khalifa where we had a line of maybe 20 kids swaying to the water show. So they felt very proud of themselves for being able to uh, reenact an element from the story. And then there's another part where they go to the desert and they sand dune. And you know, the students can physically go and do that. They can get on the sandboard and, and practice just like Maddie and Massey. And, and they feel a stronger connection to the book and they feel like they've learned something about the city because they've, they've experienced it firsthand. Um, and so I, I try to do those things that uh, are achievable, are attainable. attainable. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you can reenact the entire checklist. I had someone find the book on Amazon and she emailed me and said, hi, we're going to Rome next month. And I was looking at books for my children 
so I can start introducing them to the idea. It's their first international travel and things we're going to see and do. And I found your book and um, we're going to take it with us to Rome and we're going to do some of the things off of the checklist. And so that to me was super special because that's why I write. And she did. She went there. She has a picture of the of her two kids standing with the book in front of the Colosseum, acting like gladiators, posing just like Maddie and Massey in the book. And to me, you know, this is this is the only reason why I do it is because I want to see children learning and uh, making their own memories of these Being places. Being active and going. Yeah. As well. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I didn't have that as a kid. You know, it was a, a very different time. So, yeah, I, I write with the child in mind. And with regard to Matty and Messi, how do you, I mean, obviously they're based around your own children, but how do you make them relatable to your audience? Did you have to change them slightly? Did you have to develop them a bit more? Yeah, these are very simple characters. You know, um, Maddie and Massey are based off of my children, their names. So Maddie from Mateen, Massey from Massimo. Um, but I had to keep a diverse children audience in mind. So for one character, even though in real life, my son does not wear glasses, I put glasses on him because I want boys who wear glasses to read the book and say, hey, that looks like me, right? Or Massey has um, very dark curly hair and there is a little boy out there with dark curly hair. And so to be able to see yourself in a story, um, I think takes the experience and the memory of that book to another level. I picked a, a strong female lead for the mission coach for every book because I want women to see themselves in a place of empowerment and leadership. And, uh, and you know, they, they look different every time. Um, I want them to look and feel as authentic to that city as possible. So they have, you know, the name, they have the, the features or the clothing of that city and, uh, and of course the language because they are the expert of their city. So they have to be able to uh, showcase themselves as a contributing uh, character of that place. This is the Make Design Podcast. Can you talk about a bit more about how you manage your time? You're a mum of two. Uh, you've got, you know, a family to take care of and then as well as wanting to follow your dreams and create this sort of business. Can you, how do you, how do you manage your time? How do you get up and... Yeah. Uh, you have to be very self-disciplined, right? I could be a lot further along if I weren't as lazy or tied up with other things. It can be very overwhelming. I operate best on a, on a list. I mean, the, the boys in the book have a checklist. Have a list, yes. And that's what I work best off of as well. I have to write down a list for everything. Um, I don't like to do work when my kids are home because I want to give them my time. So I do it when they're at school or late night. Uh, my publishers in the U.S., my illustrators in Spain. So most of my conference calls are in the evening when the kids are asleep. But, uh, you know, some days there's nothing to do. And some days there's a million emails to send out. Some days there are events I'm trying to organize or physically at and participating in. Um, I hope that things will get busier, you know, because I do. I like staying engaged. But uh, I, I quit my work full time because I really wanted to give this a go. I mean, I wanted to devote my time and my energy to this. And if I were working full time as a teacher, I would come home exhausted every day. Or I would uh, neglect my teaching duties in the classroom because I'd be too concerned with the book. So I really allowed myself this year to not work full time, 
focus on the books and see what becomes of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh, a lot when I when I um, when I speak to uh, entrepreneurs and stuff, and they they literally have to devote everything to it. You kind of can't do it while doing other things. Yeah. Um, and it's a really courageous thing to do. And obviously, with investors, they want to know that you're fully committed. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a that's a really important point. Um, and so obviously the series is going to grow, right? The series is going to grow to different cities. Can you talk a bit more how you, how you see that rolling out over the next months or years, hopefully? Yeah, so I published the first one May 1st, 2021. The second one uh, was about five months later. And the third book is currently being illustrated. So it's written, um, we're in the final stages of it and hoping to get that published within the year, right within one year of the first book. I mean, after that, honestly, I have lots of ideas for the future, different cities, different languages, um, different things to send these boys on a mission to do. But I would love to grow it on a larger scale. I, I can't do that all on my own. You know, That has to be somebody noticing the book and saying, hey, we like this idea, we wanna take it to the next level, we want to license it, we want to, whatever it is, translate it into different languages, um, license it out for merchandise or media, and, uh, you know, that's, that's the ultimate dream, but they say that a series doesn't get recognized until there's about three or four books in, in the series. Okay. So, you know, patience has been one thing that I've really had to learn along the way. The, the second book, the Dubai book, was published October, and it it got into big retail stores in November. And by December, I'm sitting here thinking, why haven't this, why hasn't it sold out yet? You know, it's, it's the UAE national day and Christmas is coming up. What's wrong with my book? But then I have to think back, like it's only been two months since it's been published and on the shelves. So, you know, nothing comes super quick and easy. Uh, but so I'm still learning that patience element. Are you, are you doing all the marketing yourself as well? Are you, are you, are you outsourcing that? How, how, you know, that's quite, that's a big job in itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's huge. And uh, I'm not at a point where I can justify paying someone else to, to market and do my PR. And so I'm doing, I'm doing everything and I'm learning along the way. Um, I feel like there's a new app in social media uh, dr- drive every other month and I can't keep up with them. Um, you know, if you're if you're a teenager and you're making videos of yourself dancing, you're gonna get a lot more hits than I am reading a page out of my book or telling people a fun fact from Italy. So, it's it's books aren't sexy; they don't sell as much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been a challenge, and then finding it, you know also I rely heavily on my personal network of friends and family, and you don't want to get too annoying or too over aggressive because it turns people off. And I can only ask so many times, hey, check out this book, or hey, can you write a review, or what do you think of this? Buy it for your friends, you know? You have to do it tastefully. And uh, I think that's what I'm trying to learn that, but also you're not gonna get anywhere if you don't ask. So there's that balance. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, mums, that have had ideas, talking to people, but never, you know, it kind of just left there. You've you've seen it all the way through, which is really, it's amazing, right? You've got a book <laughs> published and illustrated. It's an Amazon. It's an Amazon if anybody wants to buy it. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to mums out there thinking of doing what you do and really don't know where to start? Write a list. 
Yeah, write a list, write it down. I mean, the idea is the only idea if it's in your head, but it becomes a goal when you write it down. And so um, find that one person who believes in you and supports you because that'll take you a long ways. And uh, talk to any and everyone because you never know what kind of insight they can provide or support or what kind of connections it can lead to. And, uh, you know, yes, weigh out your risks and your reward and know that there will not be any reward without the risk. So take the leap if, it's, if it works for your family, you know, if it's sustainable for you to do something or you're gonna have to put some investment into whatever it is, right? Nothing comes free or easy. So if that is, uh, is that, if that will work for your family, then go for it. Um, and don't give up too early, right? Because I've had many times where I'm like, oh, forget it, I'm not gonna do the next book, it's not worth it, I, I'm not selling, I'm still in debt, and why am I doing this? But I think you, you have to allow yourself the time to kind of see things through. Um, the success stories that we always hear, and I try to remind myself of this, they started out with a struggle or a hurdle, and they're only a success because they waited it out. I'm sure you're enjoying the process, <laughs> learning things, no? <laughs> she's not, she's, not, she's shaking her head everyone. Yeah, you know, it's a tough process. It is a hard process. And I feel no. like, you know, if I had started younger, I would have maybe appreciated the lessons I'm learning. But now older, I'm just like, I want to be there already, right? Mm. I mean, I've gone through 20 years of work experience. To have to start all over again, it's tough. Mm. And... Um, it hasn't been as enjoyable because I, I love the writing part and I love the reading part and engaging with this, the students, but I don't enjoy any of this social media stuff. Like it's, it's tough out there. It is hard. Yeah. And you have to stay current and you know, you're always after likes and follows. And for me, like, I don't care about how many people are clicking the heart button. I care about how many people are getting their hands on the book and reading the stories and loving the stories. And I'll get those messages from random people that I've never heard of before. Hey, I got this book and my daughter is in love. She sees herself as the, the mission coach and she wants to lead people like a tour guide around the city. And so that's what makes me feel good. But the, the back end of it, you know, all the work that goes in the background, I'm not enjoying that part of it. Maybe I'm just being very selfish and unrealistic, but well, you can't do everything. Like, and I think that you can't. And um, I think that there'll hopefully be a point where you can put some budget aside to someone who lives and breathes that social media right. to get you to where you need to do. Probably be half my age. I, I speak to you know yeah no, but I speak to uh, people who have their own businesses, and it's not you know they they don't sometimes enjoy that side of things because it is. <laughs> It's really hard to get your voice heard. Yeah. I mean, you're on social media looking at stuff. I'm on social media looking at stuff. There's so much stuff out there. It's overwhelming, you know, to stand out. And I think that, um, have you, and like, and with regard to, you, you used to work in a school, obviously, would you like to, with regard to schools, and there's plenty here in Dubai, uh, has that been, has that approach been successful to go and to speak to, I don't know, the head of GEMS or... Yeah. ahead of the different schools around. Have you tried that avenue? Because I suppose that's, that's an opportunity as well. Yeah, I've been to many schools, especially with the UAE National Day. You know, I went in as a reading, a read aloud event, and I read to the students. And some schools were better organized and prepared than others. 
Uh, I'm going to a few schools in the upcoming weeks. They're having literacy weeks. So I'll be doing reading and writing seminars, and I really love that part of it. Um, I've done uh, reading and writing workshops virtually with my old school county in the U.S. And as parents have reached out saying, hey, could you do a reading for our child in you know, a different state, different school I've never heard of before? And I'm, I'm happy to do those. Um, there is the Literacy Fe Festival coming up soon. There is Expo. There's a lot of opportunities, but of course it's getting seen and, and just uh, being acknowledged. You know, the book, I think the book, once somebody knows about the book, especially the Dubai one, it kind of promotes itself, right? It's promoting the city. And Dubai loves to promote itself. Um, so there's, there's opportunity for it. I just hope it doesn't pass by. Keep listening, you might learn something. Oh, yeah. Last few questions. A uh, bit of fun. Um, they're kind of one word or a couple of sentence answers. Um, that I do every, at the end of every sort of podcast. Uh, it's kind of a theme. And we'll go through them and see what you come up with. I'm interested to see what I haven't, I've guessed some of them, but not all of them. Uh, <laughs> so what is your favorite word and why? Uh, it's an Arabic word. Shababik. You know what that means? You're putting me on the spot here, Zaina. Come on. Shababik. Uh, something to do with birds. It's got beak in it. Uh... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll give you a clue. Shababik is the plural for shabek. Mm, Shabak. I'm Iraqi, right? Yeah, Shabak is a window. Window. Of course. So Shababik, I just always felt like it sounded so cool. Shababik. Shababik. How would you use it? Uh, we have to clean the windows. <laughs> I've said that about no times in my life. Yeah, maybe your mom has said it. Ask her. Shababik. 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 I'm going to speak, I'm going to say it to my mother and yeah, see if she and, knows. And another uh, word, because I like the plural of it, is tananir, like tanura, ah, skirt, tananir. Ah, okay. Tananir. Like those words. Nice. <laughs> I thought it would be either, it could have been Spanish, Italian. No, no, it's sticking to Arabic here. Okay, nice. Into our roots. I like it, roots. <laughs> what is the least, what is your least favorite word and why? Don't roll your eyes. Ready? Is it don't roll your eyes? No, I'm going to tell you, don't <laughs> roll your eyes. <laughs> Occupation. Occupation? Yeah, I'm Palestinian. I can't like that word. Oh, of course, yes. Okay. Right. So I was thinking of jobs. <laughs> Not Steve Jobs. Um, what sound or noise do you love? Uh, probably everyone has said this on your podcast, but kids laughing. Kids laughing. Any kind of joy, right? Like my son, Massimo, now he's got this crazy laugh and he knows it's cute. So he'll exaggerate it, and we just laugh because of, he's, because of his laughter. Uh, that's, uh, well, Coachman Taz in the previous podcast said exactly the same answer. Oh, he said a little different. He said kids playing. Kids playing, enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy. yeah, enjoy. Wow. Okay. Okay. But I did not copy you, Coach no, Montaz. No, no, she didn't copy you. Don't, <laughs> don't beat me up. Uh, sound or noise that you hate? Uh, kids screaming, fighting, anybody fighting. Right. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is not a thing in the U.S. I've only experienced this in Dubai, but there are a lot of cats outside, whether they're stray or, or people, you know, let their cats roam. Because cats in the U.S. are just domestic animals. But when they're like in heat or they're screaming or something, that sound, it's yeah. torture. It is. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, we've sometimes mistaken that for my daughter crying. Yeah. But it's actually, yeah. And it's so loud. Yeah, it's very loud, yeah. Um, what profession, other than your own, would you like to have attempted? I've got e.g. marine biologist, but... What, what, I before maybe, I answer, I what maybe, would you I, see me as if I weren't doing teaching and writing? What's your best guess? Um, definitely somebody that tells people what to do. Oh, gosh, you're just like my mom. I think. So, thank, thank you very much. <laughs> Is it the looks? Uh, so, I think, yeah, definitely someone who tells someone like a, like a leader. Mm, Is that right? No, actually, I would love to be a dancer. Oh, okay. Or, I was going to say chef, but that requires, like... But that's a leadership. I mean, chef, you know. Yeah, but actually I changed it then to professional food blogger, but without the writing, just the eating part. So, basically, you want to be a beast. Yeah. Okay, great. Or a dancer, because they kind of level each other out. Okay, all right. What advice would you give to a younger you, and at what period of time would you do it? I think you touched upon about that earlier on, but I suppose, like... Start early, uh, get exposed to all the current trends and more, you know, like if I had learned, um, coding as a, now they're like starting kids on coding at five, right? So get into something that can actually grow with time. I think that, you know, I could have had a lot of, um, talent and added value if I had done that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it depends what your, would you be into coding? But maybe something more technology. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think I always say to, I always say to Arla, do a job, do get into something that constantly changes. Yeah. Because it's really important, so it keeps you. That's why I love doing creative because it's always new, mm-hmm. and writings like that, and you know, illustrations like that. So, I think something that's monotonous is a bit uh, boring. But um, okay, interesting. Another advice is I would say yes more often. Hmm. Say yes. I mean, say yes to others to a point, but say yes to yourself more. And what, 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 what did you, did you go through a period when you were saying no in your life too much? You know, I'm too scared to do something new. You don't sound like a person, you, from what I know of you, you don't sound like a person to try to, to be adventurous and to like do something. But that's because I've started saying yes later in okay. my life. You know, I was, I was more um, shy or nervous as a kid, as a teenager and into my college years. I didn't take risks, really. I was a very, very good girl. And, uh, I'm very surprised by this. Yeah, it's very true. And so I think, you know, saying yes to yourself more. Like, yes, I want to do this for me, not just to please other people. Mm-hmm. Interesting, that's good. Um, I think I would do, should have done more of that as well. <laughs> um, who, would you, who would you want to interview, <clears throat> alive or dead, famous or not? Something that's not going to get me into trouble. Because I've just started this podcast. I'm nervous. Right, I'm, 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 really, I'm really You'll nervous. You'll be happy with one of the answers, okay? Don't say the other one. No, it's a different one. Okay. The- All right, so one would be... Uh, Whisper it first. Okay, uh, I had a student that I think needed me more when he was in my class. I could have been there for him more, just kind of like asked some important questions, and I wish I had done that looking back. And then also, I'm currently obsessed with Will Smith. So I'm reading his book, and it answers a lot of questions, but there are some other questions in there that I would like to sit down and, and talk with him about. Mm. Is it because he's been in Dubai doing this uh, get fit thing? Yeah, well, he's, Dubai's like his second home now. That's right. Yeah, 
but he's just, he's an interesting person. Um, if you learn about his upbringing and kind of how he evolved into this huge icon now. Uh, and I, I think it's always going to be a good conversation with a lot of laughter. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know him from Prince of Bel-Air and I suppose yeah. like, you know, from that generation and stuff. But um, yeah, he's very, he's very, he's definitely gone through a journey. Mm-hmm. And I always think like with him as well, he's, he's kind of laid it out there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve a bit. I've actually met him twice, but I haven't had a chance to talk to him. Oh. Once uh, turning New Year's, to th- like going into from 99 to 2000, we were, I was singing in a world's children's choir and he was on the stage. And so I just waved to him. And then uh, two years later, just by chance in LA, something happened and I ended up in the same place with him. But it wasn't like a sit-down conversation. Mm. But the first question I would ask him is, do you remember when I saw you on stage? Do you think he would? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> He'll remember the event. They're, they're not, well, if he's in Dubai, the annoying thing is his kids are very much grown. You could yeah. send him a but Then you could send him a couple of books. I yeah. mean, if I got books at a hotel, well, if he's staying in a hotel or somewhere, I'd be like, oh, that's yeah, pretty I'll, cool. I'll put my stocking game on. I think so. Just yeah, hustle, sometimes. you know? Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so, look, tell, can you please just remind people where they can get these books from? Yes. The different channels. So, so if you're in Dubai, then it's at Virgin Mega Store in Kinokanua in person. And that's then you can Dubai get Mall? Any mall. Okay. So I think Virgin Mega Store has like 10 outlets. Okay. Um, the big malls, little malls, anything. And then online, it's at Carrefour and Noon. And uh, Amazon, U.S., internationally, Dubai, everywhere for Amazon, and Barnes and Nobles in the U.S. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> it takes an effort to get into those big places. Yes, by, not... by good chance, I've been able to get in. But the thing is, unless you're, you know of the book, right, you're not going to physically see it. Like, you're not going to look for it unless you know that it exists. Unless the, the store has placed the book within your eye view, right? Your eye has to be drawn to it. Sorry. Like if it's, if it's hidden on a bookshelf, it's not going to be easy to find. But if it were right there when you walk in, like special debate promotion book, any tourist, you know, would love to pick that up. So I think your eye has to be drawn to it. Um, or you have to have heard about it. Like, oh, there's this book about debate. I want to go and check it out. Sorry, yeah. yeah. It, may, it makes a great gift. I had somebody buy like five copies to take back to the UK for Christmas. She wanted one for like all the kids in her family, right? Cousins, nieces, mm. all that stuff. And it's great because it's educational and it means something and I was able to autograph it for them. So, which, yeah. Which is why, but which is, I told you, I gave it to my niece and because uh, she came to Dubai and then she, you know, she loves Dubai and she, and I know speaking to my uh, brother, that she loves reading it. You know, it's, because you've been to those places, you've seen those right. buildings, you've, it's, it's a memory, right? Yeah, it's, it's a memory. It's real. There's a connection. I mean, this is why I strategically picked Rome as my first city. Because if you have been to Rome, you have fond memories of your time there, right? You're going to recall all these places in the book. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Colosseum and the Trevi Fountain. You're going to remember when you went and took pictures there. And if you haven't been to Rome, it's on your list. I guarantee it's on almost everyone's list of places to, to see and visit. Um, and then, you know, there's the, always a food element in my book. So, like, for Rome, there's gelato and there's pizza. And uh, you're going to want to eat pizza the night you read this book. So there's, there's a lot of ways that uh, the reader can connect to the story. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, well, look, that 
has been brilliant to know about more about the books. I know like we've spoken casually about them. I've got them in my house, but it's really nice to know about the process. I mean, I think like just the challenges to get something out, <laughs> you know, and the hurdles. And as you say, you know, you've gone through what, two, three illustrators, finally find the right one. Yeah. And, and, uh, and to still continue is really commendable, you know? And, um, I think that you're right, you know, don't, don't give up on the first hurdle, you know, keep going and uh, write your lists, everyone, to get your, your idea lists. out there. Yeah. It's, it's just simple stuff, but I think it would really help. It makes, it makes uh, your tasks more attainable, I think. Yeah. So. Because I think people are always like, you know, if you break things down, it's much easier, right, as right. you say. And, but... and then you might realize, like, maybe I can't do this task without help. Maybe I need to adjust my task or find somebody that can help me with it or delegate it out to, could be, you know, a spouse or... Yeah. Whoever. So uh, I think I think tasks uh, writing them out just really helps you to organize and make things more uh, easy to attain. So uh, where are you going to be next? Either live reading or when's the next time oh. people can go to an event to see you? Can you? Give... The next reading is at a school in Dubai oh. called uh, Safa Community School. But if you would like to organize anything before then, I'm available, so let me know. Okay, but we're going to put your email address on the podcast. Cool. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, we'll also put the, oh, put the Instagram account. We'll put the email address yeah. so we can get in contact. And then talking about staying relevant, you know, Instagram has its own hurdles. So I had to go ahead and download this thing that everybody in the world has except for me. What's that? And I just downloaded it this morning. You might have heard of TikTok. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. I want to, like, uh, facepalm that I have to now be involved in TikTok. Well, TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... You can't, it's for the younger know. generation, like you but... You get so it's, much more exposure. Yeah, I mean, TikTok's very organic, I mm. hear, you know. Um, but uh, you like dancing. Yes. You like music. But I'm not a dancing TikTok. author. No. <laughs> With the books. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, I think that's been great. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, I think it's a great sort of story, um, really inspiring to kind of just start something and get it out there. And, uh, yeah, I wish you a lot of luck. In it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and uh, getting this uh, information out to the to the masses. To the, yeah, they are the masses. Thank you, yeah. listeners. Um, <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, guys, look, I'll publish this uh, podcast, our ninth episode. Um, we'll put all the information out there so you can know more about the books and Zayna. And then, um, yeah, please share it, download it, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Bye. Yeah, listening. Bye. You're listening to Make a Design Podcast, a cushion for your ears.